Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I've got a long-awaited podcast topic that I will be covering. A lot of people have requested this over time, and I was really excited to finally get to dive into this myself and learn a little bit about it, so I will get to that in just a minute. First, I'm going to start out with our In the News segment. Big news story of the past seven days. Okay, to stay up to date on all the Sirhan Sirhan news, which, by the way, if you don't even know what I'm talking about, I have a whole episode about his parole hearings and stuff and everything that's going on around him that came out a few weeks ago. So back, go back and listen to that so that you're briefed on what's gone on up until now with that. And then since I made that episode, Ethel Kennedy has actually spoken out and given a statement. So I wanted to read that statement just in case you haven't seen it yet. It says, Bobby believed we should work to tame the savageness of man and make gentle the life of the world. He wanted to end the war in Vietnam and bring people together to build a better, stronger country. More than anything, he wanted to be a good father and loving husband. Our family and our country suffered an unspeakable loss due to the inhumanity of one man. We believe in the gentleness that spared his life, but in taming his act of violence, he should not have the opportunity to terrorize again. Then handwritten under that, it says he should not be paroled. Ethel Kennedy. So obviously there's been a lot of tension among the family, a lot of back and forth, a couple of siblings that do agree that he should be released, and then way more than that that believe he should not. So I've been keeping up to date with it, and we'll continue to update you guys as I hear anything else. Next up, I thought this was really neat. Something I actually hadn't thought about amidst the pandemic. Coming from CNBC, hybrid working will now allow more people with disabilities to enter labor force, Ted Kennedy Jr. says. So here's what the article says. Ted Kennedy Jr., co-chair of the Disability Equality Index and board member of the American Association of People with Disabilities, told CNBC that companies changing views towards the remote working and hybrid working following the COVID-19 pandemic will allow more people with disabilities to enter the labor force. He said hybrid work and remote work are just a couple of the accommodations that many people with disabilities have been asking for. So we think the company's views now of remote work will allow more people with disabilities to enter into that labor force. It will make it easier for them to accommodate somebody, for example, with a mobility impairment for whom it is difficult to travel to and from work. Many employers are looking, because of the tight labor market, are looking to this great untapped labor pool of people with disabilities, he continued. And it says over 1 billion people live with disabilities around the world today. So if you want to read more about that, go check it out on CNBC. Next up is our inspiring clip of the week, and this week will be an interview clip of Lee Radswell for T Magazine. One of the inspiring notes. I'm always struck by how incredibly strong, we've talked about this, how incredibly strong and willful you are, and yet how um, you maintain this sort of childlike sense of curiosity and joy and that you're quite adventurous and naughty and also i guess a bit vulnerable um i don't see why you can't be both do you see yourself as strong yes i do and i see myself as vulnerable you're just engaged with life and with people and with art and with culture well, otherwise I wouldn't want to live. 
Um, if you weren't engaged and curious. And... If I wasn't curious, yeah. I wouldn't want to live. And as Luis Buñuel said in the beginning of his book, Apropos of His Mother, um, without memory, there is no life. And um, that's the way I'd feel. Mm-hmm. Soon. <laughs> no. Next up is our question segment. Therefore, an answer you question. Okay, so if you follow me on Instagram, then you saw that I teased a f- maybe a week, two weeks ago, something like that, that I had a big project in the works. And I was rude and didn't mean to be because I said I was going to post about what it was and I haven't done it yet because I just honestly... Time got away from me, but I have received a ton of questions on Instagram saying, okay, well, what was it? What What's the thing? And uh, by the way, if you don't follow me on Instagram, please do. I post lots of updates and all kinds of stuff there. So it's at, at Kennedy Dynasty on Instagram. Anyway, so I teased it. And like I said, the main question has been, what was it? What's the project? What are you working on? And I'm teasing you here as well because I'm not going to announce it just yet on here. But I am on Instagram this next week. And stay tuned and please go follow me so you know what it is. And then I'll talk about it a little bit on the podcast as well after the announcement. But just know that I am very excited. I am very busy working on something awesome for this whole Kennedy Dynasty brand, if you will. And uh, yeah, I'm just really, 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 really stoked to share it with you guys. I, I hope you'll be as excited about it as I am. So stay tuned. All right, let's get into the episode. So this week we are talking about the relationship dynamic of Jackie and Lee Bouvier, two of the most fabulous sisters to ever grace the face of the earth, for real. I, in studying this, I just think I just fell more in love with Lee Bouvier. Like, she's incredible. I mean, not any more than Jackie. Jackie's my girl. I'm not saying that. But I don't know. There's just such an allure to Lee, too, and such a beautiful persona that she is. I don't know. She's just equally as entrancing and incredible as Jackie in her own right. And I've studied them before, obviously, but just really diving into their dynamic and, I don't know, just the way they are, they're both just almost out of this world glamour. It's almost like they were written. They're characters that were written in some script or a film or something. I don't know. Do you you guys get what I'm saying there? Uh, I'm asking that like you are able to answer me back, but I, I just... It's just almost part of what makes them so... Why we still try to look like them or dress like them or act like them is because they just set this standard of being so incredibly glamorous and amazing and classy and it's almost like it's not attainable for anybody else but it totally is because they were human too but (laughs) I don't know that may have just been a stream of consciousness I don't know but I just I just think they're two incredible women and it was really awesome to read more about them this week my main source is Vanity Fair, and I'll tell you why. Because I read a beautiful piece by Sam Kashner on there in preparation for this episode, and I feel like he tied everything together so beautifully in the complexities of their relationship dynamic. In fact, the the article is titled The Complicated Sisterhood of Jackie Kennedy and Lee Radswell. It took me a really long time to read this article because I digested everything. I would stop and research, who's this person? Who's that person? And I just really, really, really enjoyed it. So that is my main source for this episode because, as I said, I don't think it could have possibly been researched better than what Sam did. I also use InStyle as a source as well to tackle one question that is common from everybody and I will get to in the episode. So without further ado, here we go. 
I started to do a timeline-esque kind of episode for this. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to give all the background of what she did and who she was and where she was born, all that kind of stuff. I don't feel like this is very much a biographical episode. I think it's more of a, just a, a dive into the complexities of their sisterhood. So I decided to go that angle with it. And I will be doing a follow-up episode very soon on Lee alone, because like I said, I just have a, such an adoration for her as well. In fact, I just ordered one of her books in researching for this episode. I just, she's the sister that I haven't studied as much. And now I'm just enamored just like I am <laughs> all the Kennedys. So um, I will be doing an episode on her in the future as well. They have an age difference of three and a half years. Okay, so Jackie's the oldest, Lee's the youngest. They were born to Janet and Black Jack Bouvier. So obviously we know he was hardcore womanizer, hardcore drinker, all this kind of stuff. They had a horribly tumultuous marriage. Janet divorces him and ends up remarrying into just extreme wealth of Hugh D. Auchincloss. I think I always mispronounce that one. I read it when I'm reading it as Auchincloss, but I'm probably horribly wrong. If you're screaming at me through the mic right now or through your headphones, I understand. But here we are. They come from this extremely wealthy background. They're privileged children. They grow up in high society. They are equestrians and they're classy and they're raised to be the best of the best by their father. They both have that weight put on their shoulders from a very early age. And I'd like to mention, too, that Lee talks about often in her own book and in the very few interviews that she's even done talking about her sister, she talks about that she knows her sister was the favorite of their father. And she says she's kind of okay with it and she gets it because she's the spitting image of her father. Jackie looked exactly like him. It's crazy how much she did. And Lee knew that and accepted it, which I don't know how much you really accept that, that your sister is the best and the favorite. I don't, I don't think that you really accept that. I feel like that would have to be something she was just saying or acted like she did, but I don't know. I'm not in her head. As young girls, they called each other Jacks and Peaks, which I think is super cute. And they grew up very, very, very close. They had their little sister nitpicky competitions and things as kids, but they were extremely close. Now, I want to mention in this article a quote from Lee because the author, Sam, apparently went and met with Lee in her home. And before he even started, Lee, who was, I believe, 83 at the time of the interview, she sits down and says to Sam, please tell me this is not a story about my sister and me. I'm just sick of that. It's like we're Siamese twins. So Lee grew up frustrated by living in the shadow of her sister, for sure. But as Sam says in the article, it's difficult to meet Lee and not think of her sister. And he says, looking into her face, one has the uncanny sense of seeing Jackie's face as well. She shares her sister's widely set eyes and high cheekbones, although her features are more refined than Jackie's, her coloring lighter. Truman Capote once described her eyes as golden brown like a glass of brandy resting on the table in front of firelight. Another thing that the article says is the two girls were aware that they were coming into an established family and unfamiliar circumstances. They were like little orphans. The writer and socialite Helen something. Y'all, this last name's crazy. Shavshavadze. That's actually a really cool last name. Anyway, who had been in the same class as Lee at Miss Porter's told Sally Bedell Smith for the 2004 book Grace and Power. Jackie and Lee were very fused the way sisters are who haven't had much security. Uh, I was left alone at this enormous house of my mother and stepfather in McLean, Virginia. Uh, they were off deep sea fishing in Chile. How old were you? About 11. And um, I was just so lonely. All I did was play in the woods with my dogs day after day. 
Where was your sister? At boarding school. And um, so I had a very fat cook called Nellie was my only friend. And I uh, decided I couldn't stand it any longer, so I looked up in the yellow classified pages, orphans, orphanages. And um, so I saved my, took my pathetic allowance, called a taxi from the yellow pages um, nearest to our house. And so the taxi came, we went to the orphanage, I asked him to please wait, and um, walked in and said to the mother superior at the desk, my name is such and such, and I've come to adopt an orphan. Um, and I have a lovely place uh, where she would be terribly happy. Uh, horses, dogs, and walks, and she would really love them. And she looked at me absolutely stunned and said, I'm so sorry, my dear, but um, you're just too young for us to allow you to uh, adopt a child. When my mother came back about a week later, I just got such hell for this. How you could upset me, how you could torture me the way you have. Uh, we were so worried about you. I couldn't figure out quite why that was as they were in Chile on a motorboat. So it mentions a lot, too, in this article that they had a lot of big life experiences like Jackie's coming out party that was in August of 1947. And Lee came out in this beautiful gown that would have upstaged her sister. But in the end, Jackie really didn't care. And then as they get older, they did develop their own sense of style and the way they carried themselves in their own different avenues. Lee was really more into color and pop and, and took risk with her fashion or with her decorating choices or anything. And Jackie was much more refined, straight edged, much more toned down and less about taking risks than Lee was. One really cool thing that they got to do was they got to go together on a trip to Europe through a series of events of Jackie working there and then Lee going overseas to be with her they had the best time of their lives on this European tour of them basically doing anything they wanted for months. Jackie was 21 and Lee was 18. And I mean, could you think of a better, better thing in the world than just being released in Europe at that age? That's it's awesome. So they had the best time, made the best connections while they were there, ended up putting together a book that they illustrated and wrote poems along with. And they ended up later in life even publishing that book and called it One Special Summer. I saw the drawings and stuff when I went to visit the library and it was really neat to look at. So basically they were just living their best lives is the best way to say it. They did have a tumultuous childhood at home. Obviously their dad was losing his fortune. He was a major alcoholic, very unstable, but they both loved him very much. Jackie especially was just crazy about her dad. Their mother was extremely strict on them, very structured and everything, but they stayed close to her as well. So they, But they, they had a tumultuous childhood. There's no doubt even in their later age. So they really clinged on to each other. 
But Lee won the marriage competition because she actually beat Jackie to the altar. She married Michael Temple Canfield. And this was a big thing that she beat Jackie there because back then it was all about (laughs) getting married and getting married quick. So the fact that the younger sister got married before the older sister was not the greatest thing to Jackie. So Lee married him on April 18th of 1953. And it says in the article that he was a shy, handsome book publishing scion whom she had known and dated since she was 15. So something super interesting about Michael, by the way, is that he was actually adopted by Cass Canfield, the wealthy and distinguished publisher of Harper and Row. But if you look this guy up, there's tons of articles about the possibility and the scandal of him maybe being the illegitimate son of the Duke of Kent and Kiki Preston. So that's an interesting little thing to dive into if you ever want to look into it. They move into a little penthouse apartment in New York and Lee starts decorating it like crazy, which is kind of a foreshadow into her absolute glamour and impeccable taste for decor and style and she kind of loved it she was living in a little fairy tale there but jackie ended up meeting and marrying obviously john f kennedy and he was way richer and way more of a catch i would say so that kind of made lee a little jealous so it was like a back and forth it's like constant ping pong Then Lee and Michael end up moving to London for a job appointment with Harper and Rowe. He ended up having to leave. And apparently he was kind of like not the best husband, heavy drinker, just they weren't really connected and stuff. And I had to mention this because it actually made me laugh out loud when I heard it. But Michael said to Jackie at one point, what do I do to keep Lee? And Jackie responded by, get more money, Michael, (laughs) which is just so funny. And he said, but what do you mean? I do have money. She said, no, Michael, I mean real money. But they ended up getting a divorce anyway because Lee married, well, had an affair with, and then married Stas Radswell. And then Lee becomes a princess when she married Stas, which is just nuts. One more thing I have to mention because it also made me like, holy moly. Okay, so Stas before was married to a woman named Grace Colon. And then there's this guy that had had a dinner party for the Canfields, which would have been Michael and Lee, the Radswells, and Lord and Lady Dudley on March 26th of 1957. So that would be Stas Radswell and his ex-wife in the future, So, at the, but at the time wife. And it would be Michael and Lee while they're still married, and then Lord and Lady Dudley. So they all have a dinner party, okay? And this guy, recollecting this, remembers it because afterward... Lee married Stas, Radswell, Grace married Lord Dudley, and Michael married Lady Dudley. So basically they all had a dinner, but then eventually swapped spouses, which I just feel like that's unheard of. I had to, I had to note it. Not that that's really pertinent to the story, but I still just found that humorous. So then Lee ends up having her first child, Anthony, and is living it up. They're in a ritzy house at 4 Buckingham Palace, which is obviously near Buckingham Palace. They have so much land, stables, gardens. I mean, she was living the life. But then Jackie wasn't doing too shabby either. I mean, she ends up at 31 moving into the freaking White House and becomes First Lady, which is crazy if you think about that. And that kind of then made Lee kind of jealous because obviously Jackie's at the forefront of everything at that point and she's just kind of known as Jackie Kennedy's sister. I want to note too, Lee was always and remained very tight-lipped about any possible affairs that Jack had and never spoke out ill against him, never did anything, even despite many arguments and things that happened between her and her sister, she never betrayed any form of trust or anything by speaking out in a ill will towards any of them. So I do want to note that. Lee was 
arguably, now I don't know that I, I don't have enough evidence under my belt to be able to say this for a matter of fact, but a lot of people have said that Lee was as talented, if not more talented than her sister in her eye for design, her eye for fashion, her personality was just so out of this world, which so was Jackie's, but there's a lot of people that say that she was almost more polarizing and enamoring than Jackie could be at times. Take a second and think about how hard this must have been for Lee as a person to have always been the younger sister. You've never been the one at the forefront. You've never been the one that everyone expected the best of the best out of. And then all of a sudden your sister's the first lady of the United States and she's on the cover of everything and she's the most photographed woman in the world, the most famous woman in the world, arguably. And this other sister who has all the potential in the world is then kind of put on the back burner in everyone's eye and they only want to hear about what the older sister is doing. She was always Jackie's sister and that had to be very frustrating for somebody that was just as ambitious. I just wanted to take a second and think about all that. Now, right now, I'm going to drop a clip of... I couldn't find interviews of Lee talking about Jackie or Jackie talking about Lee because they just didn't speak about each other. They ended up having kind of a, which I'll get to, a tumultuous time after Jackie's death and stuff. So, But I'm going to insert a clip from Jackie speaking with reporters after Jack's election and one of Lee at the premiere of a play she was in. And I'm only inserting it so that you can see how incredibly witty they both were and how they play with the reporters and are so charming and how their voices sound so similar. Lee has a bit more of a rasp to her voice, I think, but overall they sound, it's it's unmistakable that they are sisters. I'm going to play this back to back now with Jackie first, Lee second. Who designed the dress that you wear? I don't know. I just bought it. <laughs> In the store? <laughs> the question just a moment ago was, uh, where do you buy your clothes? May I ask you that? I buy them here and there. I'm always traveling, so I never get it very well organized. I see. Do you expect to meet the senator at the airport Sunday night? I'd like to. Depends how many of you will be there. <laughs> Princess, now that the first night is all over, what was it like? What was your reaction to the audience's reaction to you? Ah, oh, well, I enjoyed it enormously. I don't know how the audience felt, but I enjoyed it enormously. So you're not... Uh, unused to having people stare at you and point at you and talk about you. Is this a different kind of, a totally different kind of experience mm -hmm. for you? Yes, of course it is. Princess, why do you want to be an actress? I don't know. Why do you want to be a reporter? <laughs> The good thing about their relationship during the White House years was that Lee and Stas were really good friends with Jack and Jackie. So they would spend happy Christmases together at Palm Beach. They traveled to be with one another. All the things. Again, this is a broad stroke over a lot of really intricate things and details that I will talk about in the Lee episode because a lot of this has to do with Lee's life. Just know that I will get to more in depth into different affairs and different things that went on in her life alone. Okay, one thing to note as well, Lee had a lot of input on Jackie's fashion. She actually would be the one a lot of times to bring in the outfits that Jackie would be wearing. Jackie would call her to consult on different fashion ideas and things, and Lee was really the one to push her and uh, give her a lot of influence. So she had a real eye for things as well. And I think one thing that really bothered Lee and that is widely reported on is that a lot of times, like when Jackie went to, on her European tour with JFK, she got so much press for being 
so fashionable. She was even named the first lady of fashion by Time Magazine when in reality, Lee was behind the scenes helping her a lot and didn't receive that recognition. Then they go to India together. These beautiful sisters are just in India and it's amazing. And there's all the photos and the glamour. And yet again, Lee is definitely in the background of that entire trip. And it just seems that the attention and the focus are always on Jackie, which I don't think is Jackie's fault. I mean, that's that was her role. That was what she did. She was the first lady and she was incredibly glamorous and classy and all the things that are amazing. And uh, I don't in any way fault her for that or think anybody does. But I do understand a lot of the feelings that Lee had to have had going around the world with her. Unfortunately, Stas and Lee start having some issues in their marriage, and Lee starts up a affair with Aristotle Onassis. Aristotle, as we know, was the future husband of Jackie Kennedy in 68, and a lot of people don't know that it first started with Lee. So Lee was with him, and he was obviously extremely rich and also extremely controversial, especially with the Kennedys. Bobby and Jack did not like at all that Lee even remotely was associated with him ever on his yacht, anything like that. So much so that when Jack had to take a European tour to Great Britain, Italy, Germany, and Ireland... Jackie didn't go with him. Lee did. And that was solely because Bobby was trying to keep Lee farther away from Aristotle Onassis during that time. So she went on a tour with him and Lee later said that it was the most thrilling experience of her entire life. Now, I got to chime in here. There's a lot of rumors that Lee may have slept with JFK. Now, I don't think anybody knows this for a fact other than the two of them themselves that this is where my other source comes in that I was talking about earlier. I did look it up. There's no definitive answers anywhere, obviously, but there is an in-style article about how she may have had an affair with JFK. Okay, so I'm going to quote directly from the article. It says, writer Gore Vidal, who shared a stepfather with Lee and Jackie, once wrote that Lee's first husband, Michael Canfield, confided in him that his then-wife had slept with her brother-in-law. There were times when I think Lee went perhaps too far, you know, Canfield allegedly told Vidal, like going to bed with Jack in the room next to mine in the south of France and then boasting about it. It says in the article, it's unclear whether Vidal is telling the truth. He bore a complex relationship with both sisters throughout the years and was known for a proclivity to gossip. So do I believe it? Probably not. I err towards the side of no, but at the same time, who knows? I, I don't. I think that would be horrible if that's true, and that's extremely scandalous. But I mean, there's also the rumors of Jackie being with Bobby after JFK's death. Of course, he wouldn't have still been alive, and Jackie was very much alive if Lee and Jack were having an affair. I don't know. It's a it's a tangled web, I will say. So I'm not going to give my opinion on anything because I don't feel like I can. I don't, I don't think any of us really can speak if it's true or not. But I had to obviously make a statement about that rumor after talking about their trip to Europe. Anyway, Bobby's plan didn't really work, and she returned back to Greece after the trip with JFK and continued her affair. Well, then after Jackie tragically lost baby Patrick, she ended up was in such grief that she went to Greece with Lee for what I, I believe was a month. And it was amazing for her to have that time to not be so much in the spotlight and things. And I don't believe Jack really wanted her to make that trip, but it happened anyway. And it ended up being, I believe, probably a good thing for her. Now, this Vanity Fair article says as parting gifts after the trip, Jackie was given a diamond and ruby necklace and Lee three diamond studded bracelets. Lee wrote to her brother-in-law that she felt Jackie's rubies outshone her dinky little bracelets that Caroline wouldn't wear to her own birthday party. Judging by this, it seems that Onassis obviously took a liking to Jackie after the trip and backed by a lot of research, people believe that was because he thought of Jackie as the ultimate basically prize. He, he wanted to marry her and be with her because she was the most famous woman in the world. 
After the assassination, Jackie was obviously stricken with grief. It was a horrible, horrible time. And apparently Jackie slapped Lee afterward. They were just fighting a lot. And Lee told Cecil Beaton that Jackie was so jealous of me, but I don't know if it's because I have Stas and two children and I've gone my own way and become independent. But she goads me to the extent that I yell back at her and say, thank heavens, at last I've broken away from my parents and from you and everything of that former life. So it seems like they had some pretty heated arguments just in general threw out some real zingers at each other and said some really harsh things that would indicate a very up and down rocky relationship yet on the same vein they took tons of trips together confided in each other were each other's closest confidants so i mean they were sisters at the end of the day Lee went on to do a little bit of an acting career. I'm not really going to get into much of this, but she was in a play and a movie, a couple different things. Jackie, it's speculated, could have been fairly jealous of this alone because she had said at one point in her life, what if I went into acting? What if this was the thing? Well, then Lee actually was doing it. Jackie didn't actually show up to Lee's first opening night of her play, but she did send her a gift. It just seemed that Jackie did have a a streak of jealousy for the independence that Lee had to do whatever she wanted when she wanted to do it. And then Jackie goes on to marry Aristotle Onassis, which was a huge dagger to Lee's heart. Lee would say, how could she do this to me? But publicly, she said, I'm very happy to have been at the origin of this marriage, which will, I'm certain, bring my sister the happiness she deserves. So Lee very much respected Jackie in the public, but was very hurt by this in private. Lee goes on to make fabulous friends. She was dating a photographer named Peter Beard, and she was living this amazing life. Became friends with Andy Warhol, would hang out with Mick Jagger, go to the Stones concert. She was just living this really cool life. She even decided that she was going to make a documentary about her childhood growing up in the Hamptons. Well, when she brought in filmmaker friends, they ended up getting to know her aunt and cousin Big Edie and Little Edie of Great Gardens. They created Great Gardens together and it became a huge hit, obviously. I remember asking you about Great Gardens and your cousin and aunt. Did they, was that in the Hamptons near where you're from? It was. It was in East Hampton and it was my idea when Stash and I lived in England at Cherville to um, go back to East Hampton which I had so much nostalgia about as a child, and um, have my um, extremely eccentric aunt be the narrator for my memories. Um, And she had a wonderful singing voice, um, and (laughs) she'd say anything. Her imagination was quite extraordinary, and her daughter Edie, little Edie we always called her, um, was almost as eccentric. As a child was she eccentric? Even as a child was she very eccentric? No, not at all. She graduated from Harvard. It was when her mother locked her up as her companion at Grey Gardens, and she never left East Hampton for 25 years. So I thought it would be a wonderful idea to go back there. I said, it'll take days, weeks to get into that house. They won't let us. And so Peter said, we'll get the Maisels because they have 16 millimeter cameras and the Beals won't be frightened of that. And the Maisels, I think, will be charmed by them and the Beals were terribly attracted by the Maisels because they adored to have their picture taken. 
and they adored to scream at one another uh, constantly. And they said, listen, we don't want this to be an Edie narrating for you, for your nostalgia. We can really make something extraordinary out of this. Well, it took me weeks of drives from Montauk to East, their house in East Hampton to get them to um, open the door. So one talk. doesn't just knock on the door and have it opened? Even if oh, no, 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 you. no. You bang and you scream. <laughs> But Lee was even kind of taken out of the documentary. She was there cleaning up with them, helping with the home because it was severely dilapidated. And she would help clean up and move and do things. And somehow Jackie was still even credited when she wasn't doing nearly as much as Lee. So there's there was a lot of issue there with Lee of being overshadowed by Jackie once again. Which again, I don't think is Jackie's fault. I think it's just the way their personas were in the public eye. Then they both go through a really rough marriage time. Lee officially divorced Stas in 1974. Then Onassis started the divorce process against Jackie, but then he passed away in 1975. So around the same time, they were both going through really hard times in their marriages. One thing I want to note, too, Anthony married Carol Ann DeFalco, who became Carol Radswell, which was one of the Real Housewives of New York City. But even neater than that, she was a journalist for ABC News in New York and has done amazing things in her life and wrote one of the most amazing books I think I've ever read to date called What Remains. And I'm telling you, if you haven't read that book yet about her marriage to Anthony and her close bond and friendship with JFK Jr. and Carolyn, it's so freaking good. And I know I've talked about it before and I... I've talked about it every chance I get. It really was an incredible, incredible book. I still hope that she'll come on the podcast one day and talk about it. I just, I've loved her for years anyway. But anyway, all that to say, Anthony married her and she gave a quote to the author of this article saying, I have to correct people when they say, oh, you're married into the Kennedy family. She told him, no, I married into the Radswell family. It was a point of honor for me. I just loved this quote from her because it's just a really good way of saying that the Radswells are such a distinguished and incredible name to be under as well. And I just think that's really neat that she specified that and had such an admiration for her own family and mother-in-law. Carol also said that Lee was always gracious, even to her ex-lovers. She had that feminine quality that's hard to put your finger on. Men just fell at her feet. There is an elegant casualness that I don't think I've seen since. Jackie was always rich, especially after her divorce from Onassis. She had just great wealth. And because Stas, he actually passed away in the 70s, but his money had really dwindled over time. So Lee wasn't necessarily left in a great financial position. She had a hard time with money and stuff and struggled a little bit, had to move some, sell things, different things like that over time. But then Lee ended up marrying Herbert Ross, who's a filmmaker, in 88. And that was a, a good sense of security for her. And Jackie was glad that she was taken care of by him at that point. Then in early 94, Jackie was sadly diagnosed with cancer, and she passed away on May 19th of that year, which was also their father's birthday. The article says that on her deathbed, according to Bradford, she advised her children to sell everything. You'll make a lot of money. And the auction in 1996 reportedly netted more than $34 million. And Lee apparently sat next to Jackie on her deathbed and just sobbed and was devastated. It was obviously a horrible loss for her. It was her best friend. And she was really, really hurt after Jackie's will was read. And it seemed that she had given money or objects or something to every single person in her life, family, friends, staff, everybody, 
even Lee's children had a trust fund set up of $500,000 each, Anthony and Christina, her daughter, but there was nothing left for Lee, not even an item. And the reason Jackie gave for this is I have already done so during my lifetime, meaning she had already provided for Lee so much in her lifetime. So I don't feel like I need to speak to this or get an opinion on this because I don't know what Jackie did for Lee during her lifetime. I don't know how much she supported her, how much she didn't. I don't know what Lee did to Jackie during her lifetime. I don't know. I don't know the inner workings of their family as nobody does except for the people in their family. But from the outside looking into a lot of people, that was a harsh blow to Lee that there was nothing left for her. And it really left kind of a bad taste in her mouth a little bit. And a lot of people believe that that is why she would not really speak about her sister after her death and didn't really talk about her much again. She wanted to just kind of talk about her own accomplishments and things during her own life. All of this to say, I hope it wasn't just a jumbled mess. I really wanted to give you guys a look into different stories and things from both of their lives that could maybe equate to a complicated, sometimes tumultuous relationship between two very, very famous sisters. So I hope that I somehow gave you a picture of their relationship. And I feel like I highlighted on Lee a lot more than Jackie in this episode. And I solely did that because I feel like Lee's not as talked about. And I feel like a lot of us probably already know a lot more about Jackie than we do about Lee. So I gave a little more backstory to her in this, but I didn't at all want to take away from the beauty and the glamour and incredible woman that Jackie was, the mastermind that she was, because gosh, y'all know I love her so much and just look up to her in lots of ways. But yeah, it seems like they both had very distinct strengths and weaknesses in different areas, just like every other human. But I can't imagine handling the pressure and the weight that was on both of their backs to be the best. Then they both kind of became the best. And then one felt like they were living in the shadow of the other. And one was in the forefront without wanting to be in the forefront. And it's just, it's a wild, wild story. So Anyway, I will do an episode in the future about Lee. Like I said, give a lot of details of her life because I'm just fascinated by her at this moment. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, then please rate it five stars and write a positive written review on Apple Podcasts. Check out my merch store in the description of this episode. I have an awesome sweatshirt you guys are going to want. It's a Hannesport sweatshirt that's like vintage looking and super cool. You've probably already heard me talk about it. But if you have not, then go check it out and buy one for the fall because it's awesome and it's cozy. That is all I've got for you guys today. And I will talk to you soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy. Hello everyone, my name is Tom Kearns and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go.